Welcome, everyone, to the Big Ten Football Talk Podcast. I am your host, Zach Guggenheim, and I hope you all had a wonderful Thanksgiving meal. I hope you're all stuffed to the rafters. Maybe a little sleepy this morning with all that tryptophan or whatever that phantom uh, thing is in Turkey that makes you sleepy. I think it's just you get fat and happy, and it's it's great. Um, I'm excited. We're, we're going to spend some time talking about, I think, the biggest matchup of the season in the Big Ten. It is the the Ohio State Buckeyes taking on the Wolverines from the state up north. And I, I think it's the biggest game, not because, not just because I'm an Ohio State fan. It, it's obviously the biggest game to the, to this, to the date or to date of the Big Ten. It's a top five matchup. Obviously, there's one other top five matchup this, this past year. It was uh, number three, Iowa hosting number four, Penn State. And while that was a big game, I think, I think people knew that, that Iowa, you know, Iowa's time probably was coming to an end, that they would at least lose one, maybe a couple. You know, Penn State, un- unfortunately, the luster of their team is kind of come off a bit with with the loss to Illinois and, and other things. But I think people knew that while those two teams were, were really, really good, Ohio State's talent it, it clearly had the, the talent edge over everybody in the Big Ten. And so I think people knew that, that, that Ohio State was the most talented team, but they had a lot of youth. So that I think the question had always been, can they get it together? Can they get it together? And so, and, and the the Wolverines have really improved this year. Uh, the new coaching staff has, has been really, really effective in making their offense more dynamic, making their defense more, I, I think, friendly, especially to a, an offense that they're going to play in Ohio State. We're, I'm going to do the breakdown soon. But before, before I do that, I want to just start by giving you some context into the rivalry. And I think this is probably similar to a lot of the rivalries that happen in the Big Ten. I, th- I think the, the Big Ten has some of the best rivalries in the sport, whether it's Paul Bunyan's Axe or the Little Brown Jug, uh, you know, Michigan and Minnesota. Ah, I said the name. The team up north in Minnesota, they don't play this year. Um, but you've got these rivalry games that just means so much to the programs and there's history there's tradition there's emotions that run really high and so i want to if if you don't know anything about the game between the buckeyes and the wolverines i want to give you a little context as a fan so i you know i'm 35 so i didn't i didn't grow up in the era where this game really became kind of the household rivalry. So this, there was always a bit of a rivalry. It was kind of the, it's kind of called the border war uh, over Toledo, right? That's Ohio and, and Michigan, the States kind of feuded over Toledo. And that's, that's kind of the, some of the history, but where this rivalry really became big was the 10 year war between Woody Hayes and Bo Beckler. And growing up, you know, my mom would talk about that. She actually has a, uh, 
I think it's a puzzle that was assembled and framed of Woody Hayes in, uh, in our office, in her office up in, uh, in, in her house. And the big story with that, it was in 1968. So obviously I wasn't alive at this point, 1968, Woody Hayes has this amazing team of players. They're called the super softs and they just ran rough shot all throughout the big 10, which believe it or not had 10, 10 teams back then. I know it's shocking, right? Who would think a conference called the big 10 actually having 10 teams anyway. So Ohio state got to the game against the Wolverines and they, they beat them 50 to 14. And the last touchdown of the game, Woody Hayes goes for two. And at the end of the game, they asked him, why'd you go for two? And his, classic response was because I couldn't go for three. And so that was, you know, his approach to the team up North didn't say the word, didn't say their, their name. Well, there was an assistant on that team, assistant coach named Bo Schembechler. And after that game, Bo Schembechler left Ohio state and became the coach of the team up North. Ohio State was coming off a national championship the, the following year in 1969. And they they were dominant. They they were the prohibitive favorites to win the national championship again. And they get to the team up north. Bo Schembechler stuns them. They went 24 to 12. And the 10-year war commenced. And it was a just a brutal stretch where both those teams were amazing, but they, you know, both those programs were amazing, but they, you know, they beat each other up. I think uh, that the final record, uh, I think Bo was five, four and one against Woody Hayes. Um, and, and that, that was their tenure. So from 1969 to seven or 1969, I was about to say 1778, definitely not 1778. From 1969 to 1978. So that's that's kind of where the rivalry really became a thing. And then, you know, enter my birth, right? And, you know, growing up early, you know, my mom is teaching me all about the rivalry, teaching me how we don't like maize and blue, how they're, you know, we don't, we don't like the state up north and the team up north and they have the ugliest uniforms, the ugliest helmets and, you know, all that stuff. And I'm, and I'm just kind of sitting there like my favorite color is red. That's kind of how I thought about it for a while. Um, but I remember when I started appreciating football, you know, I was, you know, eight, nine, 10. And in the nineties, I grew up in what was it, when John Cooper was the coach. Uh, of Ohio state and John Cooper had these, um, these ridiculous recruiting classes and guys that went to the NFL that were big time players, Eddie George, Terry Glenn, Joey Galloway, uh, Orlando Pace, uh, Mike Vrabel. I'm trying to think some of the other guys, uh, big daddy, Danny Wil uh, Wilkinson, just incredible, incredible talent. David Boston, uh, Joe Germain, Michael Wiley, just 
stud upon stud upon stud. Uh, Andy Katzenmoyer, another big name. Uh, Damon Moore, Ahmed Plummer, Sean Springs. And so they have all this talent. They'd be ranked in the top two and they'd be heavy favorites. And then they would lose to the team up north. Remember, I think it was four times or three times in four years, 93, 95, 96. Ohio State had a chance to get to the Rose Bowl, win a national championship. And they lost each time. Uh, 95, 95 and 96 in particular stand out uh, in a very brutal way. Because in 95, Ohio State had the Heisman winner, Eddie George. And, you know, he was the best running back in the country that year. And the team up north has this guy named Tim Biakabatuka. And if you're an Ohio State fan, you are, sh- you are shuddering at that name because it was Tim Biakabatuka who ran for over 300 yards. Not the Heisman winner, Eddie George. It was Tim Biaka Batuka. We don't like that name in, uh, in Ohio. And then the next year, Sean Springs, who's one of the top corners in all of college football, I believe he won. He, I think he was a finalist for the Thorpe Award. I don't actually think he won the Thorpe, but I think he was a finalist for the Thorpe Award. And he slips and Ty Streets, Wolverine receiver, scores the game's only touchdown. And the team up north beats the number two team in the country, 13 to nine. And again, keeps Ohio State from a national championship. And then the the kicker was the following year in 97, the team up north wins at least part of the national championship because back then they didn't realize that you could do something called a playoff. We still don't really realize that we can do something called a playoff. We've just decided to call it an invitational, but I digress. So that was kind of what it was like to be a Buckeye fan in the late 80s, 90s, and 2000. You had these great Ohio State teams that perpetually lost to the team up north. And, and John Cooper was 2-10-1 and one before he got fired from Ohio State. And it was just – it was uh, – Shock after shock after shock. And by the time it was over, you're almost stunned when Ohio State won uh, against the team up north because it just didn't happen. Even in, They could have been favored by 35 points. It didn't matter. The team up north was going to win. You just kind of knew it. And so that was, that was what it was like growing up as a Buckeye fan uh, was, in a, in a lot of ways, Ohio State was little brother to the team up north. And then comes Jim Tressel. And in 2001, he, he makes this uh, speech at the Schottenstein. It actually might have been, uh, was it Schottenstein Center or was it uh, St. John's? I forget where it was. Uh, it was. It was where the basketball team was playing. He comes in, he was, he was hired, and a lot of people were, were kind of confused because he's come from this Division I AA school, Youngs, Youngstown State. He comes in and he says, you'll be proud of our young people in the classroom, in the community, And in 310 days in Ann Arbor, Michigan, and you just kind of understood that this guy knew how important the rivalry game was. Like he knew that 
no game mattered more than that game. See, Cooper didn't didn't really get that. He's a great Buckeye. Uh, you know, John Cooper gets a lot of flack, he, but he just didn't get the rivalry. Trestle, Trestle got it, and he knew it. He knew it from the moment he was hired that he had to care about the rivalry game. And the first year they went to Ann Arbor, they had a they did not have a good year. They were six and four going into the game, and Ohio State stunned them with a backup quarterback, no less. Uh, Craig Krenzel wasn't supposed to be the starter of that game, but they come in, they 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 shock the world, they beat uh, the Wolverines. I think it was 20, 26 to twenty one. I think was the final score, and it started uh, Trestle's reign over the Wolverines, where there was just a huge shift in momentum. And so from 2001 to 2010, Trestle went nine and one. And then Urban came in. Uh, there was the, the gap year between Urban and, and Trestle where there were sanctions and uh, it, that was just an awful year for Ohio State. But so my, my experience of the rivalry is very... It's, it's unique because I, early on, what I experienced was defeat, disappointment, kind of just a, a, a hopelessness almost as a, as a fan, like, oh, we're never going to beat them. Like, is, is this even a rivalry? Now, you know, we're, we're 20 years removed from Trestle's speech. I've only, since then, Ohio State's only experienced two losses one of which was during the worst season that I can remember as a Buckeye fan. And the other one was, uh, it was when both teams were, were just really, really good um, in 2003. And so that's kind of been the rivalry and the team up North has been in a sense on a down, a, a down cycle, you know, um, they're coaching, you know, in a lot of ways, their, their, their coaching tree or coaching progression has, has not been as, as good as Ohio State's. You know, Ohio State went from Trestle to Urban Meyer to Ryan Day, whereas, you know, team up north, they had Lloyd Carr, who won a national championship. It was really good for them. But then came in Rich Rod or Rich Rodriguez. They really struggled. He was fired in three years. Then it was Brady Hoke, who had one good season and then just kind of fell apart year after year and then they hired Jim Harbaugh who has been I think competent but he's had to deal with probably the best version of Ohio State in the history of the program you know so that's kind of where it is right now and so it's interesting because I with this game you know two top five teams Number two, Ohio State. Number five, the team up north, the Wolverines at Ann Arbor. And I, you know, the the fan in me is is thinking two different things. One is, well, Michigan has, and I said it again, the team up north hasn't touched Ohio State in years. Like the, the past couple of games alone, Ohio State's won by at least 23 points. They're going to kill him. They're going to massacre him. It's going to be like Mr. T talking to Rocky three. What's your prediction for the, for the fight prediction pain on the flip side, 
I experienced the Cooper years. And the Cooper years, it didn't matter how good you were. You're just like, oh, we're going to lose again, aren't we? Ah, it's going to be awful. So as I pick this game, what I'm going to try to do is I'm going to, I'm going to, I want to acknowledge the rivalry. And I want to acknowledge kind of the, the pomp and circumstance of it. At the same time, I want to get into the X's and O's because I think out of all the games this week, I think this is one of the most fascinating games, not just because, not just as a fan, but from an X's and O's standpoint, because it's, it really is strength on strength. And I think both these teams are playoff caliber teams. I think both, I, I don't know if the team up North could win a national championship. Um, I think they could win a playoff game. I think Ohio state cannot just win a playoff game. I think they can win that. I think they could win a national championship this year. And I'll, I'll talk about a little bit that more, but my hope in just this first segment is to get you into the mind of what it's like to be in one of these rivalries as a fan and, and, and in the psyche of, of the players, you know, if you, you listen to players, you know, the team up North, they do every, every day, a beat Ohio drill. And they do it every day because they want to make sure that this rivalry is in their blood. You know, Ohio State, every, you know, they they have a team up north period every day, every week. They have somebody keeping an eye on the team up north all season long. Uh, they, uh, in fact, there's some stories. I don't know how much it, this is true at, at uh, up in Ann Arbor, but in Columbus, uh, at least in this current coaching cycle, if players wore blue to recruiting on recruiting visits, they were instructed to take take it off and put something else on. Like that's how seriously they take it, and it, it seems juvenile and silly, but that's how serious and ingrained this rivalry is not just for fans, but for players. And so I, I think it's going to be fun. I'm going to take a quick break and then we're going to dive into the actual matchup of this game. So we'll be right back on the big 10 football talk podcast. Welcome back to the big 10 football talk podcast. We are talking bucks versus Wolverines. For those of you who are Wolverines fans and you're like, what, you know, this guy is such a homer. I, I really, in this final segment, I really don't want to come off as a homer because, and I'm going to say this up front. I think the Wolverines have a real shot to win this game. I, I think they have more of a shot than a lot of people. I was actually, I was talking uh, to, uh, to someone I uh, had an appointment earlier today and he knows that I'm a Buckeye fan and he, you know, he's like, ah, oh, Buckeyes are going to win by two or three touchdowns. And I'm like, I don't think so. And I'll, I'll give you my score, score prediction at the end of this, but when you look at the numbers and you look at what these teams have done, this is a, a much more, I think even matchup than, than people want to give it credit. And a big part of it is how these teams are constructed. I've said all year, I don't trust Cade McNamara over the top, but he has been an efficient passer. You know, he's 14 touchdowns to two interceptions. 
uh, over 60% completion uh, percentage. I think he's actually closer to 64, 65%. The Wolverine offense is very balanced, you know, 218 on the ground, 229.5 through the air. And the defense, I mean, it's, it's the best pass defense that Ohio State has faced all season. They only allow 307 yards uh, total. And so uh, people want to do transitive property on this. You know, Wolverines lost to Michigan State. Ohio State destroyed Michigan State. Ohio State, therefore, destroys the team up north. You can't do that. Like, you just, you have to understand that that, that game, that the team up north versus Michigan State, is also a rivalry game and i you know i i want to touch on this for ohio state a little bit what happened between ohio state michigan state was much more about the matchup than it was about who was better so michigan state needed its running game to stay in the game and the problem is ohio state took it out by getting up 28 nothing like, as soon as that happened, it was over. The problem with the team up north against Michigan State was they were leading by two scores, but they couldn't get further distance. And so if, if they could have gotten one more explosive play for a touchdown, that, that game is over. And Michigan State's scrambling. They're trying to get back in it, and it just doesn't work. And so that, that's the difference at this point, I think, between Ohio State and the team up north is that the team up north is not as explosive. They have explosive players, and we're going to talk about that in a minute. But I, I think that's the – I think the, the two maybe key differences, and I think, I think they'll show up in this game. One is that Ohio State has more explosiveness but is less efficient – and Ohio State has more depth, but I think Michigan's premier players, at least on defense, I, I think their premier players on defense are better than anything that Ohio State has on defense. But the depth is concerning for, for the team up north. So that that's I think those are going to play into this game. You know, let, let me talk about the team up north a little bit. They're, obviously, the run game is what's going to be the highlight. Hassan Haskins, uh, over a thousand yards. Blake Corum has been uh, held out for the past couple of weeks, but I think he's going to be healthy going into this game. They're they're a dynamic one-two punch. I think it, it's it's maybe the the best running game outside of Michigan State, and I, I think they have a better offensive line, so I think they create a couple more holes. I don't think it's that much better than Michigan State, so I I, I think. Haskins gets a lot of yards on his own um, and they're content running for three, four yards, a pop, and just riding that for a while. They want to possess the ball. They want to, they want to control the ball. And especially against Ohio state, I think they want to be able to hold the ball, make sure the, the offense doesn't get too many possessions. Uh, they also, the, the, the third back Donovan, uh, Donovan Edwards, is he's a stud he's a true freshman five-star prospect uh ohio state was in on him but it was between travion henderson and donovan edwards and i don't think there's a bad back 
between them. You know, Henderson's obviously had the more impactful year so far, but Edwards was sensational against the Terrapins last week. Uh, 10 catches, 170 yards, two touchdowns. I think it was two touchdowns. Maybe you just had the one, uh, but he was, he was phenomenal as a playmaker in space. And that's something that Ohio state really hasn't faced as, as someone, a, a running back who can be explosive in the passing game. So that's going to be a struggle for the Buckeyes. They've got a number of receivers who I think are athletic. They're not, they're not Jahan Dotson. They're not David Bell, but you know, Cornelius Johnson, Andrell Anderson, Roman Wilson, they've got enough speed to burn you once in a while. And, you know, uh, Sanders still is another one who is, uh, you know, they've got speed you know, they're not going to beat you with technique necessarily. They're not, they're not the best route runners. They're not anything. They're not special receivers yet. They're not like Ohio States. They're not, they're not like Penn States um, or Alabama's, but they have enough that they can exploit you and they can get big plays once in a while. Um, their tight end, Eric all is a, is a really solid playmaker. He won the Penn state game. So I, the, the thing that I'm trying to point out, the team up North Wolverines, they're not as refined, but they remind me a lot of the receivers that Ohio state had a few years ago. You know, they had guys like Austin Mack, Benjamin Victor, uh, Terry McLaurin, who's, you know, he's tearing it up in the NFL right now. Uh, Paris Campbell, who over time they developed into really, really good receivers but at first you just saw the flashes of it. And I think you're seeing more than flashes of it, but you know, Andrew Anderson had a big game against the Spartans. Cornelius Johnson has had some big moments. They're not, they're not the finished product yet. And I wouldn't say that they're top 10 in the country. And I, I don't think they're top five in the conference, but they're more explosive and they're better than you think. And I think against Ohio State's back seven, which I think has gotten better, but I don't think they're as good as they showed against Michigan State. That's a concern for me, especially if they can mix in some play action pass. That's going to be, I think, a tough thing to stop. I think they're going to throw some misdirection at them. They always have something different for the Buckeyes coming into this game. And so I think a key matchup is going to be how does Ohio State defend against a, a team that is really wants to run the ball, but also they have the explosiveness, I think, to really get some key, uh, key plays that will get some, maybe some, some explosive plays, some 20 plus yard plays, some 40 yard plus plays. Um, you know, and, and I think the big, the big key is can Cade McNamara make those plays happen can he make them play i think Cade mcnamara is good he's not great he's he's a little erratic but it, you know when given time i think he he really does make plays so you know can ohio state's defensive line disrupt his timing at all i think the the other key question is is how much does jj mccarthy play didn't play at all against michigan state but he is fast he has a gun for an arm you know, how much do they let him play? You know, do they let him play a lot of snaps? Do they not play him at all? Um, 
And when he plays, is he the, is he the X factor or is he is is he a liability? So I think those are some things to look at look look at for the Wolverines. Um, I think if they can establish the play action game, I think Ohio State could be in for a long day because as as good as Ohio State has been has has been and as improved as they've been, you know they're still allowing 250 yards passing a game, and you know they allowed a lot of yards against Penn State. I mean, they allowed a lot of yards against Purdue and their receivers. And again, I don't think the Wolverines are quite at that caliber in terms of polish and technique, but I think in terms of overall athleticism, I think, I think the Wolverines can do some business. So on the flip side, I think the Wolverine defense is, I think that the key matchup in this whole game is Aiden Hutchinson David Ajabo, the two defensive ends, they're both stellar, both All-American level defenders against two potential All-American offensive tackles in Dewan Jones and Nicholas Petit-Frere. The offensive line has, I think, been good, not great. I think the tackles have been excellent. I think the interior guys have, have struggled. So the, the question that I have kind of going into this game is, is twofold for the Ohio state offense. Can they run the ball up the middle? You know, can they, and, and can they run wide on these defensive ends? And the other question is can NPF and can Dewan Jones pass block so that Stroud can get the ball to his receivers? Cause I think the key match, I think, I think that matchup is going to determine ultimately who wins this game. If NPF and Dewan Jones struggle and they don't know how to block up that front, it's going to be tough for, for Ohio State. And I, I think Michigan wins this game if, if that happens. On the flip side, I think if Ohio State blocks it up, you know, if they chip with Jeremy Rucker, if, if they bring in Travion Henderson to, to block at times, maybe set up some screens. I think the receivers, you know, earth, wind, and fire, love it. Uh, Chris Olave, uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Garrett Wilson. They, they will beat the team up North's corners. The Wolverines have a really good safety in Dax Hill. Their corners are nothing to write home about. And that that's, I don't mean any disrespect. It's just the strength, the strength of their pass defense is in their pass rush and Dax Hill. It's not their, it's not their corners. And I think, I don't think they'll run as wide open, but again, I, I think you'll see, I, I think this could be another Chris Olave game. I think we'll probably see a lot of screens to, to Travion Henderson, um, both as a hot read and as a, as a, uh, as a dump off guy. But those I think are, are the big keys for, for them and for that, for the offense on the defensive side of the ball. I, I think a real question is, can the defensive line continue to get good pressure? You know, I, I think I, I haven't seen the defensive line get after it like they did last week, only two and a half sacks, but I mean, they were smothering the run game. They were getting penetration up the middle. Zach Harrison and Tyreek Smith were, were playing like men possessed, stopping 
screen game, deflecting, deflecting all sorts of balls. I mean, they were playing really, really good. Uh, Tui Maloau and Jack Sawyer played well. Uh, the defensive tackles played uh, well uh, outside of Haskell Garrett. Um, Garrett was a monster in that game. But they're playing a better offensive line this week. So can they, can they continue to get after it? Here's what I think is going to happen. Uh, well, I, it, let me tell you what I think could happen. Because I think there's a couple of different things that could happen in this game. And then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you what I think will happen. So I think here, there's a couple of things that could happen. I think one is that I think it's very possible that the team up north comes together and puts up a defensive plan that really causes havoc for Ohio State. Uh, I think that the new defensive coordinators, Mike McDonald, they're not playing the man scheme that, uh, that Don Brown ran, that, that Ryan Day shredded over and over again. I think that's going to be a tough, I, I think that's going to be a tough assignment. They, they don't know what to expect. Uh, it's going to be more zone heavy. Um, and I, you know, if, if Ohio state struggles to keep CJ Stroud clean, I think the team up North wins. And I think they win probably by a touchdown or 10 points. Um, you know, and it's not just getting sacks, it's getting pressure. It's getting CJ Stroud off his reads. If, if the run game for Ohio state's clunky, that's going to make, that's going to make it a win for the, for the team up North. So I think if those two things happen, I think the team up North will score enough uh, to outscore Ohio state, despite their explosiveness, because if they they're getting pass rush, if they're stopping the run game and slowing it down and making them inefficient, that is what has caused Ohio state struggles in all their other games, Oregon, Penn state, Nebraska. If you look at, at those games, it's not that they weren't explosive. It's just that they were gunked up enough that they had to keep punting where they just never got on their runs. On the flip side, this is another way that this game could go. If Ohio State gets the ball and scores, and then the team up north gets three and out, punt, Ohio State scores. If it's 14-0 in the middle of the first quarter with Ohio State driving, it's going to be, it could be bad for, for the team up north. Like 56 to 7 bad. And it's not because the team up north is that bad. Just like I don't think Michigan State is 49 points worse than Ohio State. You know, Ohio State could have named the score last week. But the reason why is because Ohio State took them out of their game plan. The same is true with the team up north. The team up north is not built to win a shootout. They rely too much on the run game. And so if it's 20, if it's 24 to 7 you know, in the middle of the second quarter, you know, and Ohio State goes up 31 to seven. It's, it's over. Like it's effectively over because the team up North, if, if they just start throwing the ball over and over, like they're just not gonna be able to do anything. They need the run game. And so if, if Ohio State gets up quick, I think this thing could avalanche just like it did last week. Now, I think, I think the percentage of that is low. I, I think I would put that at about five to 10%. I think the scenario where the team up North gets the pass rush and gets some stops. 
I actually have that pretty, I think it's higher. I think it's probably about 25 to 35% where I think the team up North really gets after it and wins this game. But at the end of the day, I think this game turns. Uh, I, I think the team up North is going to be successful uh, in getting Ohio State off the field at times. I think they're going to, I think things are going to be clunky at least a little bit. At some point in this game, probably either in the second or third quarter, Ohio State's going to go on a run. And so I think the team up north might lead at, at half, like maybe, maybe 17 to 14, 21 to 17, something like that. Maybe, maybe even 24, 14, you know, maybe a 10 point lead. And you think team up north's got it. And then Ohio State's going to go on a run. And I think they score two or three touchdowns. Uh, it'll be explosives. I think they get up, you know, maybe 35 to 24. Ultimately, I've, I've got this game at 42 to 31. Ohio State wins. I think it's going to be a hard-fought win. I don't think it's going to be easy. I think it's very possible that the Wolverines win this game. Ultimately, I think two things are going to happen. Uh, two things will help Ohio State. I, I still think Ohio State has a better culture around this rivalry, so that helps. But also, I think talent wins out. And Ryan Day knows how to get the most out of his guys. I think Travion Henderson has a big, big day. I think Chris Olave has a big day. I think Jeremy Ruckert has a big day. And I think ultimately that's what gets Ohio state over the top is the explosiveness and the runs of points. That's going to, that's, what's going to help Ohio state get over the top to an 11 point win. I, again, I, I think it's a four quarter game. So don't take the 11 points and think, Oh, he thinks it's going to be a blow. It's not going to be a blowout. I think it might be 35 31 uh, with five minutes left and Ohio state gets a touchdown to ice it away. So that is my pick for, the game let me know what you think feel free to leave a review let me know how i'm wrong if you are a fan of the wolverines uh feel free to give me crap either on twitter or instagram or on the uh you know on the on the on apple podcasts uh i welcome it uh hope uh Hope you guys enjoy this game. I think it's I think it's gonna be one of the best games of the year. And I think it it's it's gonna be worthy of the hype. So again, Ohio State eight and a half point favorites. This is a, a game on Fox on Saturday. We get the best team in college football, Gus Johnson, Joel Klatt on the call with the all-American girl Jenny Taft on the sidelines. Hope you guys enjoy the game. And if you're not, if you're not a fan of either of these teams. I'd encourage you to check this game out. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. So, again, this has been the Big Ten Football Talk Podcast. I am Zach Guggenheim. Hope you guys had a happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving.